You're listening to DraftKings Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Let's do away with all the formalities of intros and exposition and naming names. Wow. How about that episode? Okay. So I've showed a lot of self-restraint here, Darth Amin. I'm Darth Cornpuzzle. Welcome to Rule of Two. Wow. I didn't text you about this episode at all. Yeah. Wow. I needed to know where you were going to come in with it. And by your elated, exuberant tone, I can tell that we're on complete opposite sides for this episode really oh my god you didn't like that i mean i was so disappointed oh man wow i was so disappointed wow okay now we is- overhyped it i know that this is probably my own fault to a degree you know with the expectations and with the felony episode and with the let's go see it in theaters element of it and the blown out runtime I did not enjoy the Christmas Carol Jedi edition. Really? I did not enjoy the fact that we didn't go to the world between worlds. We just went to Ahsoka's mind palace. Well, I mean. I did not enjoy the fact that (laughs) Bingo Sandula was responsible for pushing the other half of the narrative. Come on, man. Sometimes you got to throw them a bone, man. (laughs) Come on, man. Star Wars at the end of the day, Star Wars is for nine-year-olds. Freddie Prince told me that. Star Wars is when people were nine years old. And if you don't like Star Wars, it's probably because you're not nine years old anymore. But that's why people like, original trilogy is the best. How old were you when it came out? Nine, ten years old? All right. No, the prequels are the best. Why? How old were you when that came out? Nine, ten years old? These sequel trilogies suck. Why? I'm not nine or ten years old. So there's always going to be a part of it that is going to be somewhat childlike or appealing to children. That's what made Andor, I thought, so special is that this was Star Wars for adults, but Maze, I thought for sure you as a child of the prequel era would have gotten all sorts of goosebumps about this. Well, it's not really Ahsoka's mind. It is the world within worlds. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. There's no fucking portals, I mean. Does it matter? What do you mean it doesn't matter? It absolutely matters. You didn't see the end of their walkways. Those walkways might have let the portals. That's just bullshit. we didn't walk by any of the portals. That's bullshit, man. Wow. She got in there with a sensory deprivation tank like Steph Curry in the offseason. <laughs> this was not the world between worlds. This was not a real Anakin. This was a figment of her imagination. No, dude. That's his force ghost, man. That's not a force ghost. There's one. That is not a force ghost. There's only one line that indicates that he knows something that she doesn't know. 
know, which is the reference to Luke. But other than that, no, dude, it's all a representation of her own mind. Do you want it in the flow of the review or do you want me to tell you right now? The thing that confirms that it is not a figment of her imagination. Tell me right now. Jason Sindula, here's the fight. That doesn't mean anything. That could just mean that he's intuiting her emotions. No, 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 no. You've gone too far. That's him force tuning and hearing the fight as it's happening. Why can Hera hear it? That was kind of confusing. There you that, go. You know, I took it as she couldn't hear anything. She just... She was nodding. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, bingo. As a father, as a parent, <laughs> sometimes you just make your kid want to just shout. Mm-hmm, I hear it too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Totally. It's like when they draw something terrible and you put it up on the fridge, like, that looks just like me. And it doesn't look anything like anything, but... Wow, I was really moved, man. And, and there was so many little things and hints and nods. I was so emotionally drained by the end of that sequence. I thought that was the end of the episode, Maze. I was like, getting ready to wrap up. It's like, oh, they're still going. There's more of, I mean, okay. Whew, okay, let's get started, I guess. Welcome to Rule of Two. I'm the aforementioned Darth Amin. That's Darth Corn Puzzle. And I wonder if this is the episode where the apprentice kills kills the master and takes over. Because Strike you down. Oh, man, I really like this episode, Maze. We are reviewing Ahsoka, which is the Star Wars show that is a following of Ahsoka Tano, the one-time apprentice of Anakin Skywalker. We do this on Rule of Two every time there's a new Star Wars piece of content that's out. If you haven't listened to prior episodes we've been doing the last few weeks, we've been breaking everything down, starting with our preview of the show that happened before episode one dropped. And now this week, episode five, Shadow Warrior. Maze, we open up on Hera and the New Republic fighters scouring the area. They're investigating the scene of the crime. They don't see anything. They find Hu Yang holding Sabine's helmet. And you know what it reminded me of? Young Boba? Yes, sir. Young Boba Fett holding presumably his father's head in the helmet, right? Jango Fett's head was actually in the helmet. That's in the R-rated version where the disembodied head falls out. Does it slide out like... Yep. That was perfect Foley work by you right there. Thank you. Hu Yang gives us a little bit of the other side of the SS Live Forever. Which is... The SS I told you so? Yeah, exactly. He said, I told them to stay together. But they never listen. They never listen. And he's very sad. And we transition right where we left off with the Sogo, which I was very thankful. I thought we were going to do one of those things. We were going to have a whole ass episode. And then all the way at the end, we see the world between worlds. Nope. Not the world between worlds. The world between worlds. All right. We're there. And Maze, the de-aging got better. So I'm guessing they just said, let's skimp on episode four and and put all the budget into making episode five. I thought it was exactly the same. I thought you were off your assessment last time. I thought he looked pretty good the whole episode. No, last time he looked like Michael Jackson. This time he looked like young Hayden Christensen. I was shocked, especially as they go through time, as we're going to get to in a bit. So she says, Anakin, you look the same. And he says, you look old. And I was like, yeah, I got her ass. You don't have the aging. <laughs> and so she's disoriented and confused. And he says, you lost a fight. And she says, I don't remember. He says, trust me, you lost. And the arms are crossed. And shout out. Ahsoka Arm Cross Twitter account. A-H-S-O-K-A Arm Cross. And they do a phenomenal job 
of counting the number of times Ahsoka crosses her arms in an episode because I pointed out, wow, they seem to be doing it a lot. It peaked in episode two, which had eight arm crosses for a total of seven minutes and 11 seconds, 16.3% of the runtime of the episode, but 56.7% of Ahsoka's time on screen with her arm crossed in episode two. Shout out to Ahsoka arm cross count on Twitter for keeping track of those things. So we get some friendly banter here between master and apprentice Anakin tells her, I'm here to finish your training. Because, of course, Ahsoka technically is not a Jedi Knight. Not because she walked away from the Order, but because she walked away from the Order before she completed her training. Yeah, and she said that in episode one, when she was worried about training Sabine. She said to Hera that Anakin never finished her training. You know, she's referred to as a Jedi throughout The Mandalorian, through this show, through Book of Boba Fett. But the reality is she's not a Jedi. You have to go through the trials in order to become knighted. And then obviously, you know, if you keep going and you're really amazing, you become a Jedi master. She never rose beyond the rank of Padawan. She says, what's the lesson, master? He says, live or die. And it's like, whoa, is this Anakin? Is this a bad version of Anakin? What's going on right now? And she says, I won't fight you. And he says, I've heard that before. And every goosebump on my body took a stand. And the reason why, it's it's referring to the fight between Vader and Ahsoka that happened in Star Wars Rebels season two finale, where she says, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to walk away from you. Not this time. And Vader slash Anakin stares at her and says, then you will die. And sure enough, he kills her. But, of course, the World Between World helped us with that. Okay, so I thought that that was a reference to Luke saying he won't fight Vader, which would be something that Ahsoka probably wouldn't know about. Yeah. And it probably still is a reference to that. But because you just said that it's from Ahsoka's own experience, that's even more evidence that this is just a figment of Ahsoka's imagination. You're really... This is your hill, huh? You're going to die on this one. I have the higher ground, I mean. A little exposition. I know we've talked about it before, but again, Ahsoka, along with Ezra Bridger, who we're searching for, and Kanan Jarrus, the father of young bingo Jason Syndulla, they went to this planet called Malachor, where they had a Sith temple. Vader ambushed them there. So while Ahsoka and Vader fought so that Ezra and Kanan could escape, she struck a blow to Vader's helmet, cracking half of it, revealing Anakin's face underneath. And if you watched Obi-Wan, they basically ripped off that whole scene from Star Wars Rebels where his voice is modulating and it's half Anakin's voice and half the Vader, James Earl Jones voice. And that's the scene I'm talking about there where she says, I won't do this. And he says, then you're going to die. Cut to young bingo, Jason Syndulla and Chop sitting on a cliff. Hu Yang is telling Hera that he can't read the map because it's been destroyed. They're theorizing that both Ahsoka and Sabine have left with Balin. Carson Tiva shows up, says they're overdue at headquarters. Senator Organa has been playing interference for them, but she can only cover so long. And that's a nice little Catherine Hahn wink at the camera. Agatha all along. Senator Organa, of course, is referring to Leia, who after the war. And by the way, Mace, I don't know if you know this, joined government and then had her political career ruined. A lot of people wonder why wasn't Leia the leader of the New Republic? 
Her career was ruined because in TMZ fashion, Star Wars TMZ revealed that her father was Darth Vader. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. Yep. <laughs> it killed her political career. But also that's why when she, like Hera, was saying, look, there's some shit going on. We need to arm ourselves. The New Republic had dedicated itself to pacifism. So they dismantled 90% of the military after the Galactic Civil War. Leia's over here saying, guys, we need to strap up, basically. And so she's the one who formed the Resistance. The Resistance is separate from the New Republic and obviously separate from the First Order. All right. Jason senses something wrong with the water. He tells Hera to listen to the waves. She can't hear anything about waves crashing. He hears lightsabers. And as we zero in on his bingo face, we start to hear the lightsabers, too. Now, Hera closes her eyes and nods. Maze, I don't think she heard anything, but I think she did trust because she knows that Jason is Force-sensitive. And if he says it's here, then it's here. Tells Carson, let's do another sweep. Carson's completely confused. Like, what are we doing? We swept it a million times. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. And Hu Yang explains to him that Jason has special abilities. He's the son of Kanan Jarrus, a Jedi. Oh, so poppy talk. Yeah. <laughs> Jedi exposition. Yeah. Oh, what a goulash, a cosmic gumbo of information right there for Carson Tiva. And he doesn't give a shit. Yeah, he's like, whatever. <laughs> We got to do this shit again. So back to the duel. I can't believe, Maze, you're not getting all types of hype out of this lightsaber duel. Ahsoka kicks the shit out of Anakin. And I was like, oh, shit, she got his ass. And then talks some shit about, didn't teach me that one or some shit like that. Which, again, I appreciated because Ahsoka for 99% of post-Clone Wars presents as a very mature person in control of her emotions for the most part. And in the course of this duel, she's brought back emotionally in that moment to being a wise-ass little kid. Not just emotionally. Well, yes. And I'm saying at this point right here. Yeah. Fully earning that nickname Snips, which you got from the Clone Wars movie where Anakin said, don't get snippy with me. And then that was... Oh, you know, here I am thinking that that was a vaguely speciesist. Yeah. <laughs> Comment about her hair. Oh, look at the snips right here. Oh, Sammy snips spaghetti. Oh, oh shit, man. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. Snips. Anakin says, I haven't touched everything, and he shatters the fridge and she falls. Now, shout out to, I believe, Star Wars Explained. In their recap video, they point out that this is a quintessential Anakin move. Whether it's him fighting Count Dooku, several different fights in Clone Wars where he does this, in Rebels when he's fighting Kanan and Ezra the first time. Even as Darth Vader when he's fighting Luke on Bespin. He likes to fight with the environment a lot. And so he does that. She didn't see it coming. She falls. And when she gets up, it's all smoky and hazy. Mm -hmm. And you see clones running. And I'm like, oh, damn, this is the Clone Wars. And then they kind of zoom. And I love how they did this. Because I didn't notice it at first. And as it gets closer, I'm like, that's not Ahsoka right now. That's Ahsoka as a kid. Mm -hmm. You know who they got to play young Ahsoka Maze? I do, yeah. Shout out to Ariana Greenblatt. Who has been young Gamora yes. in Avengers Infinity War. What did it cost you? And was also Sasha in Barbie. Have not seen Barbie, so I did not know that. So she's back in the Clone Wars. She's a kid. 
Clones, by the way, are all wearing their Mark I armor. This is the old, old stuff. Anakin shows up. He's got the short hair like he did at the beginning of the Clone Wars series. And Ahsoka has her Padawan beads on top of her head. She's completely disoriented. She doesn't understand. It's like, this is the Clone Wars. And Anakin's like, yes, yes, it is. I like that. I like him being a little bit of a sarcastic ghost of Christmas past. He used May's thing. So Ahsoka goes, she ignites her lightsaber. It's her first lightsaber. It's the green one that she had in the beginning. Mm -hmm. They run off into battle. She doesn't understand. Says, what about my training? I thought we were going to be training. And he says, this is your training, which I'm not mistaken. That was a line from the Clone Wars, from that first movie. This is the Battle of Ryloth, which was one of the first ones that she was in. Ryloth, of course, is the planet where the Twi'leks are from, where Hera's people are from. We cut to a bunch of dead clones on stretchers and stuff like that. And she's walking by and she's clearly feeling very torn and sad about all this because her decision making, she feels like, led to these guys getting killed. And off in the distance, we see two Twi'leks and they're talking to a clone. Maze, do you know what clone they're talking to right there? Is that Captain Rex? That's Sexy Rexy, baby. Anakin comes out and she's heartbroken. She says, this isn't what I trained for. Anakin says, we must adjust to the times when Obi-Wan taught me we were keepers of the peace, which is what Mace Windu said in the prequels before the Clone Wars. Jedi are not soldiers. They're keepers of the peace. But of course, with the commissioning of the clone army, the Jedi transitioned to being generals. All the Jedi Knights and Jedi Masters are generals. And all the Padawans are commanders, which is kind of crazy. You're letting a child lead clones, but men nonetheless, to their imminent demise. He says, now to win this war, I have to teach you how to be a soldier. And she says, is that all I have to teach my Padawan one day how to fight? And we're getting a lot of therapy couch out of Ahsoka. Mm -hmm. What a lifetime of being a child soldier basically leads to. She already didn't have a childhood because she was in the Jedi Order. The childhood she had as a Jedi is so sharply contrasted against every other Jedi for thousands of years before her. Even the guys who were around, Qui-Gon and Plo Koon and all of them, they didn't have to do this shit when they were kids. They were just fucking around with training droids and stuff like that. And Qui-Gon was reading books. Yeah, man. These nerds. Qui-Gon was, was like, what do I need a lightsaber for? And here's Ahsoka, a child having to become a child soldier. And again, we've always seen her post-Clone Wars as this very mature, in-control person. Arms crossed. But yeah, man. Calmly pacing. There's a lot of hurt under there. Anakin says, you want a Padawan? Like, it's not all this cracked up to be. And basically shitting on her. Ahsoka asks him how he can make jokes on 9-11, Mace. Whoa. That's 100% the vibe I got. That's not cool, I mean. Anakin's like, you gotta laugh through this shit. This is part of it. You have to adapt to this. And she says... What if I want to stop fighting? And he drops his second Malachor reference. He says, then you will die. And that's from the beginning of their fight on Malachor. And he walks off from her and he's walking off explosions and all sorts of stuff are happening. And as explosion flashes happen from detonations, he briefly changes from Anakin holding out his blue lightsaber to Vader with the cape and the red lightsaber back to Anakin. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. I thought Hayden Christensen was good in this episode. I thought Ariana Greenblatt was very good and yes. not at all like my man Bingo Sandula back there on CTOS. She actually can act. So they did good with these scenes and it felt like Filoni saying, 
I really want to do some live action Clone Wars scenes. How can I do that? I mean, yes and no. It is part reenactment and part spiritual journey of the tortured soul of Ahsoka Tano. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Bingo Sindula, we cut back to Carson Tifa, who's tired of doing the same goddamn sir. I done looked a hundred times. The shit ain't here, lady. He's got that vibe going. Also, our fuel reserves are starting to run down, and we're going to basically get stranded on this piece of shit planet. We can't even call for help because we're not even supposed to be here. Ah, uh, classic. Hera is vetching about whether she should continue doing it, are we doing the right thing, whatever. And Huyang gives her the vote of confidence. He says, you do things your way because you care. That is why people like you. They're doing some small talk, and Hera says, is there a chance they'll still be here? Huyang says, always, especially with Lady Tano. Hera says, well, she is tenacious. And Huyang says, so is her master. And Hera, bless her heart, is like, yeah? Who's that? What was he like? Huh. <laughs> ass off for Hu Yang. Lying. The way he slowly turns to her. That lying asteroid. I mean, he didn't lie, Annie. He just didn't, didn't tell Harris certain things. It's as intense. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the way he slowly turns to her. I could feel his energy. Are you yeah. kidding me? What was her master like? Mm -hmm. You watched the fucking news? <laughs> oh, my God. So... Chopper is with young Bingo Sindula. He says, get lower. He's translating what Chopper's saying, which of all the droids, of all the astromech droids, I feel like Chopper is the most understandable because you can kind of hear the words saying, mm -hmm. you know. But anyway, he says, get lower. And we cut back to Ahsoka. And now she's older because we see that she has the double blades. Maze, when did Ahsoka get her double blades? I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Season seven of the Clone Wars. After she leaves the Jedi Order. Okay. Freelance. She's walking around. She's doing her thing. She runs into Anakin and Obi-Wan, who they request her help because Obi-Wan is going to go confront General Grievous. This is perhaps one of the best arcs of Clone Wars, the end of season seven, because basically the Clone Wars TV show was a bridge between episode two, Attack of the Clones, and episode three, Revenge of the Sith. But at the end of the Clone Wars TV series, it rapidly starts to become concurrent with the events of Revenge of the Sith. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Filoni wanted to do live action of Clone Wars, where in Clone Wars season seven, they did animation of live action scenes. Mm -hmm. The scene where the Jedi Council are talking to Obi-Wan and they told him to go to Utapau to go confront Grievous, they reenacted it from the other way because I believe in the movie, it's Obi-Wan talking to the hologram of the council. In Clone Wars, it's the council talking to the hologram of Obi-Wan. And it matches up flawlessly, seamlessly. Anakin has to go to arrest the Chancellor, Palpatine. And right before he leaves, Ahsoka, who has to go to Mandalore for the siege of Mandalore. Okay, so I know this is starting to get really confusing. So bear with me here. Maul, Darth Maul, the one that you guys thought died in Independence Day, didn't die. He fell on a trash heap, went crazy, built himself some spider robot legs until he was found by his brother, Savage Opress, who brought him back home to Dathomir. They rehabilitated him. They healed his mind. And he became driven with the sole goal of revenge on two individuals, Obi-Wan for cutting him in half and Palpatine for casting him aside and choosing Dooku to be his new apprentice. He felt let down and betrayed by Palpatine, and obviously he blames 
Obi-Wan for his misfortune. So he basically rebuilds his entire life about just getting back at these guys in the process becomes a crime Lord because that's the only way he could get muscle behind him. He takes his brother Savage Opress as an apprentice. Part of what they do is they ally themselves with some rogue Mandalorians. So at this point in time, Mandalore has become a pacifist community. I get it. That sounds insane now, given all you guys know about Mandalorians. But yes, there was a time when it was like, you know what? War is bad. We're going to be pacifists. Well, as you might expect, the Second Amendment Mandalorians didn't really like this that much. And so they wanted to invade and take over Mandalore, take it back and basically make it a warlike place again. Is that the right to Beskar arms? <laughs> there you go. They align themselves with Maul. We'll help you if you help us take back Mandalore. They do. But then Maul says, you know what? I kind of like it here. I'm going to take over. So Maul is ruling Mandalore. This is a huge problem for the Republic. So they don't have enough forces because they're drawn thin. Obi-Wan is going to go get Grievous. Anakin is going to go arrest Palpatine. They need someone to lead the 501st command. So they reach out to Ahsoka because Ahsoka knows the 501st. She's very friendly and familiar with Captain Rex. Hey, we need you to just lead this battalion. Go over there and quell this Mandalorian shit. And so she agrees before she leaves. Anakin gives her new lightsabers. And these are the white lightsabers that we see her having now. Also, before they leave Maze, Rex says, hey, the boys are really happy that you're back and they wanted to do something out of a sign of respect. And she walks into the hangar or whatever where they're all there. They turn around and all of them have painted their helmets orange with the designs on them to match the facial markings that are on Ahsoka. It's a very touching scene in The Clone Wars. So when we cut to this older Ahsoka running around with white lightsabers with no Padawan chain on her head. This is the Siege of Mandalore. And to hammer this home, the clones are all wearing the upgraded clone armor for one, but for two, you can see them as they're running past her. Their helmets are painted orange maze. So that's what confirmed that this was the Siege of Mandalore before she actually says it. We also get Captain Rex talking. Yeah. Voiced by Tamara Morrison getting another check. Which is simultaneously great because, of course, the clones are all cloned off of Jango Fett, which is played by Tamara Morrison. So that's awesome for the sake of continuity or whatever. But then someone pointed out, you know, there's a reason why they went with D. Bradley Baker to do the voices of the clones versus Tamara Morrison. Why? Tamara Morrison is an actor, and he does a good job of acting as an individual. D. Bradley Baker is a voice actor. He does a great job of doing a million voices. And so the clones, even though it's all the same guy voicing them, they're all a little different. Oh, I see what you're saying. So this Rex doesn't have any different personality. It just sounds exactly like Boba or Django or anybody else. It just sounds like Tamara Morrison, yeah. which eh, I get it. And it's live action. So maybe that's how they draw the line, right? Like, whoa, 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 playboy. <laughs> he goes to D. Bradley Baker. Don't you have some fish lines you got to do for American Dad or some shit? It's my shit right here. Folks, I want to talk to you about life and how things change and how they usually change for the better. Look, five years ago, I didn't have a podcast with my dad. Now I do. Five years ago, I didn't talk a lot on this show, and now I talk way more than people would like. 
So life is always changing. I'm sure in your life, you have examples of the same exact thing. But you know that one thing that hasn't changed? The great taste of Miller Lite. They keep it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Captain Rex says, nice work, Commander, to Ahsoka. Ahsoka crosses her arms. Shout out to Ahsoka Armcross on Twitter. Anakin walks up and he says, I don't remember this battle. And she says, this is the Siege of Mandalore after we parted ways. And parted ways, I felt like was a really big euphemism for after you, I don't know, <laughs> fell to the dark side and slaughtered a bunch of children. Yeah, yeah. He was intense, you know. They start having a conversation and... He tells her, you're part of a legacy, man. Everything's all good. And she says, my part of a legacy that is death and war. What is that, Maze? Paraphrasing Balin's Balin. burn on her last week. Got her ass. Which clearly is affecting her and motivating this entire reflection on her past. I want to dap up Balin so hard on the second time. Like, again, my man, like, you got her ass. When you got them walking around internalizing that shit when you got them going to ghost therapy with the oh man christmas carol ghosts and he says but you're more than that because i'm your master and i'm more than that question though is he is he more than that he's really a lot of that eventually i mean he is but eventually <sighs> get to the other side of it okay it's like shawshank you gotta swim through some shit maze that's a lot of shit and then you get on the other side and you go to a beach in mexico it's miles and miles and miles of shit for the smallest beach ever she says you are more anakin but more powerful and dangerous than anyone realized and now anakin's starting to get a little upset how can you tell his eyes turn yellow maze Sith yellow. But this is the other part that proves that this is the world between worlds. As he steps away from her, he ignites his lightsaber. It's red, but he's got his back to her, kind of like he did in the duel against Obi-Wan on Mustafar. When he says, either you're with me or against me, and Obi-Wan replies, only a Sith deals in absolutes. 
that stance right there is the stance that Anakin struck on Mustafar. She wasn't there for that shit. She wasn't talking to Obi-Wan like that. So she wouldn't have known any of this shit. Not proof. It is proof. He says, I gave you a choice, live or die. She says, no, which I like when people give you an either or and you go path less taken. But the third answer says, no. Yeah, my own choice. And then he says, incorrect. Starts to beat her ass and he kicks her ass right back into the world between worlds, Maze. That's another thing. Why would they go back there? He kicks her back in through a portal. Nope. But of course, because Maze doesn't see a circle nope, with a portal. wolves or whatever or nope. owls flying around. That's nope. not a portal to him. Not a portal. Kicks her back in there. And she's an adult again. And he is busting her ass. You can hear the Vader breath. And as he's approaching her, that glitch of going between Anakin and Vader, Anakin and Vader is happening. His voice as he's talking is modulating much like it did in season two of Rebels, much like it did in the Obi-Wan series. And this is a badass line, man. You lack conviction. Mm. But it's also a very Sith line. The idea that from passion, I gain strength. Through strength, I gain power. Through power, I break my chains. The force shall set me free. That's the Sith code. When he says you lack conviction, it's like you're not hating. Which, by the way, we've also seen Ahsoka flirt with the dark side several times throughout this series. Last, of course, last week when she threw Shin Hati against that wall. So then he says, time to die. But Ahsoka disarms him with some fancy footwork of her own and then takes his lightsaber and holds it up right to his throat, throws it away. Right before she throws it away, her eyes yellow. Is she falling over there? Yeah, that was the idea. She's in the same position that Anakin was in with Dooku. And the same position that Luke was in with Anakin on the Death Star. Mm Mm-hmm. He had him dead to rights and Palpatine, who goaded Anakin into doing it, tried to goad Luke into doing it. Strike him down. Let the hate flow through you. Strike him down and become my apprentice and all that shit. And Luke throws away the lightsaber. And that's what Ahsoka does here. I choose to live and throws away his lightsaber, thus redeeming Anakin Skywalker, but also giving Ahsoka some closure because all this time beyond being a child soldier and feeling guilty about the deaths of probably millions of clones, she also felt responsible for the fall of Anakin Skywalker. It's why she stayed on Malachor and allowed herself to get killed partially to save her friends, but partially because she said, I'm not going to abandon you again. And his eyes revert and he says, there's hope for you yet. And then she melts into the water. Oh, it's a portal, and that's how she gets out, is it's a portal with the water. Yes, it's a portal, man. No. I mean, she was floating in the water the whole time. What, she gonna just live underwater? She's not a Gungan or whatever. She can't be underwater like that for that long. Is this a good time to do that thing that you said we were gonna talk about on Rule of Two, where you have to either talk like a Gungan or look like a Gungan? You know what? It's time for America's favorite game show. (laughs) Talk like a Gungan or look like a Gungan. Let's welcome our first contestant, Amin Alhassan. Amin is from Phoenix. Amin, would you rather talk like a Gungan or look like a Gungan? 
I'm going to have to go with talk like a Gungan, ladies and gentlemen, because I feel like I can just act like a mute and write things down. That was the best answer I saw was take a vow of silence. But I, you know, there's going to be a moment like in the throes of passion, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, Misa, come. Misa, come. Well, speaking of throes of passion, that's my biggest question is what does a Gungan dong look like? What are they dealing with down there? That's your biggest question. Huh? If that is as bizarre as the rest of their body, then it's going to have to be talk like a Gungan. Show my penis. Would it be even weirder to look like a Gungan, but talk like a human? Oh yeah. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. <laughs> yeah. My name's Jar Jar. Hi, yeah. I'm Jar Jar Mace. They rescue her and Maze, this was my Lord of the Rings moment because if I had gone to the theater to watch this, I 100% would have been that guy like, wow, what an episode starting to gather my belongings and start to get up. Yep. Oh, there's more. There's actually a lot more. I wouldn't say there's a lot more. There's really only one thing that happens. It takes about 20 minutes, but... That's what I'm saying. That's a lot more. Speaking of Lord of the Rings, I'm going to pat myself on the back here, because guess who puts on a white shawl for the rest of the episode and gets a little bit of a costume change? I mean, that's right. Gandalf. It's Ahsoka. She's Ahsoka the White now. Oh, Ahsoka. Oh. She's been knocked out for one rotation, which is Star Wars for a day. Hu Yang tells her that... Jason found her. Bingo. And she seemed mildly impressed. She was like, oh, okay. Oh, good for that little bingo. He's coming along. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She talks to Hera and looks like she's holding a cup of cocoa, even she's not with two hands. Got that body language about her. She looks like Selena Gomez in the blanket meme. Hera and Ahsoka want to talk about grown folk shit, so they tell Bingo, go, go take a look at the starship over here. She petulantly says, I've seen starships before. This one's a Jedi one. And of course, like a stupid kid, even though it's exactly the same as every other starship, your mom is the best pilot in the galaxy, but you're going to see Ahsoka's antique hunk of junk. Go ahead. Take your ass over there. Hu Yang takes him. And I won't lie. I did like this exchange. Me too. You have a training room in your starship? Will you train me? No. Do you know how to build a lightsaber? Yes. Will you teach me? No. Ahsoka uses... Force Echo Psychometry. Yeah, repeat offender from this series. He picks up the broken map and here's the convo between Sabine and Balin confirms that, yeah, she took off with Balin. And as she's contemplating, she hears the call of the Purgle up in the sky. She looks up and sees him and... Force light bulb goes off in her head. Same note too, bro. All that was missing was, oh, maybe I'll do this. Meanwhile, Hera's talking to Mon Mothma on the hologram. You got Morgan Elsbeth in custody? Well, no. You got any evidence? No. All right, come in to Coruscant. Hand over your badge and your gun. Yep. We're going to put you on the bench. You're suspended. And bring Ahsoka with you. And Hera's like, I don't think Ahsoka's going to come back right now. And Mon Mothma says they're talking about permanently banning your ass. So you need her, basically to come out for you, which when they said, do you have any proof? They're like, yeah, Ahsoka fought the dudes and Ahsoka, come here on the phone. Come talk to him. She's five feet away. She's outside. Just call her. I have a gun in my room. <laughs> it was the Scott Evil moment for sure. It's the most infuriating thing. Ahsoka has a plan. She's going to commune with the Purgle. 
just like Ezra did at the end of Rebels. That's how Ezra and Thrawn removed themselves from the conflict. Well, I guess Ezra removed Thrawn with him. Yeah, and the biggest complaint that I've seen is why did they wait a decade to try this? But I guess we needed to go to CTOS and we needed to find the base of the map where the Purgle actually start their journey from. So, okay. Yeah, it would be like, hey, Maze, why don't you go find a sperm whale right now? Like, I know they're out there. Yeah. I don't know where to find them. But it's one of those so obvious solutions that it's been staring at us the entire time type things. The thing that I had an issue with is Ahsoka's never talked to animals before. I mean, that seems to be a very specialized... No, but she's Ahsoka the White now, I mean. Oh, well, okay. She's enlightened. There you go. That's what happens. Because she decided that she wants to live and not die and also she decided that Balin doesn't know what he's talking about yeah it's not all death and destruction it's also crossing your arms and having a padawan to teach about peace and stuff reading a book meanwhile carson and the remaining x-wings are scrambled to go stall play defense against the incoming new republic fleet that's coming in not arrest them but what's a nice way of saying what what's about to happen here? ask questions bring them in yeah they're bringing them in Am I under arrest? No, but if you don't get in the car with me right now, I will have no choice but to arrest you. And Carson Tiva tries to stall with the time-honored tradition, Seinfeld. Who is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Whenever George calls, Jerry, I need to, da, da, da. And Jerry looks like, who is this? I laughed. I was like, oh my God, what a great way to stall. I'm just trying to figure out who's talking to me right now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Clearly, I can't tell by these ships. And the captain is like, you know who the f- this is, man. They go back and forth. So finally, she's like, all right, arm the tractor beam. You want to come in hot or do you want to come in cold? We can either do this the easy way or I'm going to arrest you and have you stripped of your captainhood or whatever. So Carson says, you're not going to believe this. And we cut to inside the mouth of the Purgle. Hu Yang and Ahsoka are on the ship. Hera's on the ghost outside of the Purgle. And Hu Yang says, you're certain they know where Sabine was taken. Ahsoka says, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And Hu Yang's what? I've been in that situation before where you get in a car with someone and you assume they know what they're doing and they're not even a fake like they know what they're doing. She says, we'll just see where it goes. Yep. This could go anywhere. And she says, I know it's better than going nowhere. And guess what she does, Maze? Crosses her arms. Give me a little arm cross. Meanwhile, Hera radios up to the captain and says, you may want to get out the way. You might want to stop blocking the driveway. We got some space whales coming through. But then they just go right around them very nimbly. She says, an evasive maneuvers get clear of their path. And then they don't. They don't do anything. They tilt sideways, which I guess is like trying to change course on the Titanic. But still, I was kind of confused about that. Nothing evasive about it. Just don't say anything. Also, the X-Wings didn't do a good job of getting out of the way either. No. But eventually, the Purgo get past them and pop, pop, explode into hyperspace. And we get that cool Star Wars spinning thing. Roll credits. Maze, you didn't like this episode, huh? Look, man. What did you want? Here's the deal. The on portals. What did you want? Anakin, aka not Anakin, aka Anakin. Ahsoka's projection of Anakin. This isn't Fight Club. Didn't say anything. He didn't address how they got there. He didn't explicitly give her any advice. So that was when I thought, huh, okay. So this is her imagination here. Because It's all very existential and therapeutic, and I get it. Ahsoka goes in with a clouded mind, and she feels unsure of herself, and she feels like 
It's nothing but death and destruction, just like the dude that kicked her ass said. And she comes out and she realizes that it doesn't have to be that way. And she's enlightened, literally. She's lighter in her apparel. And now she's going to bring some kind of new approach to her next showdown with this dude and showdown with everybody. Fine. Okay. It wasn't the world between worlds. I don't care what you say. And it took entirely too long. What? This episode was A to B. Ahsoka's going to change and we're going to get the purgle. And it took 45 minutes. Okay. You're saying the episode took long. Yeah. Look, I'm with you on that. Like I was emotionally ready for the episode to end after she emerged from the world between worlds. They could have wrapped up that part quicker or I didn't care. I'll be honest. I just sat there. I just watched it because it was on. But at that point, I didn't care. I got the payoff that I was looking for with that scene. I thought you were going to say that scene took too long. I was like, oh, man, it couldn't have lasted long enough. I wanted more. It wasn't explicit enough for me. I mean, I needed more real questions being asked and answered. I needed more real addressing of what's going on with Anakin. But because it wasn't Anakin and because it was just a projection of herself, yeah, it got her the answer she needed, which is she doesn't have to be just like him. She can forge her own path. She can live. It doesn't have to be death and destruction. Fine. And a lot of it felt like revisiting stuff that we've already seen in the animated shows for the people that haven't seen it, which I understand. But this episode felt like it was supposed to be an event. They were putting it in the theaters. It's the Filoni episode. It delivered, I don't know, half of what I was expecting. I know it's my own expectations. And also, I just don't totally buy that crossing lightsabers with Anakin a couple of times and him being like, live or die, is enough for her to change her personality completely? It didn't do it for me. It didn't change her personality. Because she starts with, I don't want to fight. And she ends with, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to. But it's okay that she doesn't want to fight now. So in your mind, was this like Luke in the cave on Dagobah? It was a lot like that. See, I think there's just too much stuff there that is real for me to come to that conclusion. And I think that the force is a weird and wacky place due to the cosmic force where you've exited a living corporal form and gone into basically force heaven. Let me ask you this. If it had been the same, but there were portals, basically, when they went to Ryloth, when they went to Mandalore. If it was the world between worlds, as you are insisting, then they did absolutely no explanation of why Anakin is there. So that's why it's not. But that's part of the world between worlds, right? I'm sorry. I mean, very first question, if I'm Ahsoka in this episode is, how did you get here? What is going on? She never asked that. She just rolled with it the entire time. Because she knows. And I get it. Okay, fine. It's a mental journey. He's bursting the force, dude. She knows how that shit work. All right. She ain't no scrub. She's been around. She's been in the world between worlds. Dude, she came back from death twice. She's cheated death twice. You think this shit is going to throw her off now? She'll be like, oh, what's going on here? Come on, man. Stop being a rookie here. This is a vet right here. I get it. She never passed her trials. You're not going to rook me. I mean. Yeah, man. She done played in Turkey and Spain and Greece and all that stuff, man. Don't matter. She ain't had a cup of coffee in the league yet. This is someone who knows what she's up to. So I'm not thrown off by any of that. And the other part of it is, as we go up 30,000 feet, Maloney repeatedly is like, I don't want to explain this thing. When he introduced the World Between Worlds, like some of it has to be just goddamn mysterious. It's not time travel. It's just different moments in time. And 
you're looking for, all right, now sit down and talk. Now, this is the world between worlds, and I'm a force ghost, but I'm here to tell you that you've lived a great life and you don't feel so bad about it, like a reverse Christmas carol. No, man. The fact that they didn't address a single element of that means that it was a figment of her imagination. Nah, man. Which is fine, but does not have the same weight to me that I was anticipating coming out of last episode, which I thought was really, really good. That's the other thing. Last episode was really, really good. Really compelling. It was. From beginning to end. And this was not. Oh, I was compelled. Dude, I was compelled. It lacked conviction, you might say. Oh, no. It had a lot of conviction, man. Maze, let me ask you something. What happens at the end of Inception? The movie, not the act. It's not an open-ended question. I mean, this episode didn't end with an open-ended question. Well, I'm just saying, like, I'm asking you. And that movie also spent the whole movie explaining how the freaking world worked. So that when you get to the open-ended question, you can decide whether it's one way or the other. This very clearly was one way. What was your answer? My answer for the end of Inception was that it is still a dream, but it didn't matter because he had accepted it. It's not a dream because every time he dreams, he's by himself. But whenever Michael Caine is there, it's real. Any scene where Michael Caine is in the scene with him, it's actually happening. So you're saying that after the cut, the totem fell over? Yes. Okay. That's real life. He did it. And if you want to talk like Michael Caine as he gets older and I'm not finished yet. <laughs> I'm not bloody done. <laughs> Look, enough digressions. I'm happy that you enjoyed it. I loved it. I think if I had been able to come in with more of a blank slate, I would have enjoyed it more. So it's my fault? No, it's not your fault. It's my own fault. I built it up for you. I'm the one that pumped it up. But I thought Hayden did a great job. I thought Ariana Greenblatt did a great job. I thought Rosario did a great job. Could have used about 30, 40% less of Bingo Sandula listening to the lightsabers and the waves. But other than that, all right, fine. We made the jump. We're going to the nether galaxy. Thrawn's got to show up. It's time. Are you hyped for next week? I am. Because I'm assuming now we're going to go see this other place, this other galaxy, the pathway to Peridia. I want to see this. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see Thrawn. We kind of talked about this earlier in the series maze. How much Thrawn are we going to get? And I said probably not that much because he's supposed to be the villain of all of this post-Return of the Jedi Star Wars stuff. The Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Skeleton Crew, all that stuff. He's the Thanos of it all. So I thought we would see him sparingly. I didn't expect them to wait until the end of the series because now we've got three episodes to go. So we're past the halfway point. We haven't even seen Thrawn. We haven't seen Ezra. Look, man, Reddit hates everything, right? Star Wars Reddit loved this episode, bro. You know how hard it is to get those assholes to like this? They handle it perfectly. I can't believe you're fighting this, man. Sorry. Please, I'm genuinely shocked. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is Andor and 1 is the motorcycle gang in Book of Boba Fett, where would you put this? This episode? Yes, this episode. I mean, I don't know. Like a 7? Oh, okay, so you're relatively positive. It's a 7, but last week was a 9, and I was expecting another 9 or maybe even better. I was aiming high. I was hoping for a 10. My biggest beef is pacing. And that's for this whole show. Like you just said, we are five episodes in. We just made the jump. This feels like it could have happened last episode. It feels like we could have gotten a dose of it this episode. Episode three was almost entirely a waste of time in terms of pacing. It doesn't feel like we're moving with zip. The only time that it felt compelling front to back was episode four. Even that was in terms of plot, super linear and not a big step. 
Mm -hmm. If this is going to be satisfying as a series, they have a lot to do in the next three episodes, which I do not have a lot of confidence that they will do expediently. We're going to be left with a cliffhanger here. That's going to carry over into either, like you said, maybe a season two of Ahsoka, even though I'm not so sure that's a thing or whatever the next incarnation of this star Wars multiverse is. So that's what I'm worried about. Look, I've been perhaps falsely under the conclusion that it's not a one shot deal. There will be another season of this. So I've been taking this. I've been enjoying it. I do wonder more and more with every episode how much of this translates to a non-Star Wars fan, to a Mandalorian, basically, fan. Talking to a friend who's watching it with her husband, and they watched the movies during the pandemic, and they watched The Mandalorian. And they thought, oh, it's just going to be like a continuation of The Mandalorian just following this character, which it technically is but they're completely lost. I think this episode probably helped people like that out a lot. Yeah, it expositioned for them that relationship and some of the stuff, but I don't know if it resonates. And I say this as someone who loves the show and loved this episode. I just don't know if it resonates with regular people as much as Baby Yoda or whatever. Well, obviously. I mean, that's a silly thing to bring up. Nothing's going to resonate with normies like baby yoda are you kidding me Maze, final thoughts any final thoughts here let's get it going give me the blue man i'm afraid i just blew myself oh man where's zeb where is zeb Zeb. <laughs> is he gonna hang out with Hera now that she's getting her badge taken away what's going on yeah are they gonna drop that plot line completely about her getting in trouble yeah who cares? They just saw a bunch of whales jump into hyperspace, man. That's got to count for something, right? That's where the action's at. We don't care about her and the politics. That's just going to clog up the plot. I'm a fan of the politics. But I don't know if we need any. I think at this point, I don't need to see anything more like on Coruscant or whatever. What about a CGI Leia appearance? I mean, what does that get you going? No, no, no. You don't need to do all that. We did the fan service of Senator Oregon. I like how they didn't say Leia. They just winked really hard at the camera. Yeah, and then drop it and walk away. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Rule of Two. Until next time, Maze, you know what I choose to do? I choose to live. It could go anywhere, but that's better than going nowhere. Folks, I want to talk to you about life and how things change and how they usually change for the better. Look, five years ago, I didn't have a podcast with my dad. Now I do. Five years ago, I didn't talk a lot on this show, and now I talk way more than people would like. So life is always changing. I'm sure in your life, you have examples of the same exact thing. But you know that one thing that hasn't changed? The great taste of Miller Lite. They keep it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. It's the beer that strips away everything you don't need, and holds on to what matters most. A light beer that tastes like beer. Less filling and only 96 calories. The original light beer since 1975. 
You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and is less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash crate. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer calories and carbs than premium regular beer.